This is the Humboldt Chronicles. I am the queen of everything. I gotta be high before I can sway. Lighter tea and let it be. If you a viper. I'm Chuck Rogers with producer Larry Trask. The Humboldt Chronicles is made possible by Proper Wellness Center and Lost Coast Exotics. Much appreciation for your support of the Humboldt Chronicles. This is the 44th episode of the Humboldt Chronicles, and in this edition, we'll continue our conversation about the economic and cultural impacts of cannabis legalization on southern Humboldt County, arguably the epicenter of the cannabis world going back more than 50 years. First things first, though, Larry, there's news to talk about. One, movement in Washington towards federal legalization of cannabis, and two, Humboldt County Board of Supervisors discussing drought-related water issues that could impact the local cannabis business. All right, there is lots going on right now. In Washington, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, along with New Jersey Senator Cory Booker and Oregon Senator Ron Wyden, released a draft of proposed legislation called the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act. Uh, This, if enacted, would remove cannabis from the Controlled Substances Act, and it would leave it up to individual states to decide whether to allow commercial sales and how to regulate those sales if they choose to do it. Uh, But like most legislation these days, it faces a very uncertain future. Yeah, and Larry, the bill right now, it's just a draft. But were it to be passed into law, it would allow states to decide if or how to legalize marijuana, allowing the states to decide to opt in or opt out altogether. It would remove the designation of marijuana as a controlled substance and phase in federal taxes, likely 10% or so. It would create grant programs to aid economically disadvantaged folks, including those hurt by the war on drugs, uh, increase funding for health-related cannabis research, which is very important. It would remove federal penalties on marijuana and, importantly, expunge nonviolent federal marijuana criminal records. It includes some thoughts on banking reform, which is critical. But will it get any bipartisan support? And that's the big question. The hope is that Republicans from states that have already legalized and have seen the economic advantages of it would be possible votes in favor, but we don't know. Yeah, you you would think that'd be the case, but as you point out, we don't know. And it's important to realize that this is still in a draft form. It hasn't Mm -hmm. been introduced into Congress yet. Uh, They're still seeking input from various parties. And even some groups who are in favor, very much so, of federal legalization have some problems with specific Mm -hmm. aspects of this bill, as is always the case. So they're going to they're they're working out uh, those sorts of issues. And uh, maybe we'll see an introduction later this year. Schumer is saying that he's going to press for getting it in this particular Congress, this session. And he's the majority leader. But, you know, like all these things, we've seen these bills come and go in the past. And uh, so the the future is uncertain. And we don't know, obviously, if it does get introduced in whatever form, whether it's going to garner the 50 votes or maybe it'll need 60 if the if it gets filibustered it would need 60 to break the filibuster right. and and you can see some right-wing conservative republican who is up for re-election wanting to show how tough he is and wanting to filibuster this forcing 60 votes That's, which which probably in this particular congress would kill it right yeah. 
That's the thing. Always in Washington these days, you have to take into consideration things that are over and above the specific legislation you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Someone could oppose this for reasons having absolutely nothing to do with the substance of the bill. Right. Yeah. So we will we'll keep an eye on it, and uh, obviously we'll report as, as things develop. Yeah. In, in other news, more local in nature, Humboldt County supervisors discussed uh, at last night's meeting. It was last night, wasn't it? Yes. Okay, so there was a... There was some question, there was an agenda item in, uh, about possibly placing restrictions on water usage and maybe even uh, planting uh, in, in response to the drought. So what did the supervisors decide? Well, they really didn't decide anything specific. They did declare a drought emergency, but they did not place any restrictions on water usage on the cannabis industry as of yet. It looks as if they're going to have the county staff study it, find out what the options are for the county, and report back. So it's undecided right now what could happen. Okay. So the one specific action that was taken was this drought declaration, but what that portends, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. So we'll be keeping an eye on both of these issues and circle back to them as developments warrant. Our main topic, though, for this edition of The Chronicles is our continuing look at Southern Humboldt County following statewide legalization of cannabis. So last month we spoke with Hezekiah Allen, who's a native of Soham, who's now working on cannabis policy and education in Sacramento. This month we're speaking with Sunshine Saraceta, who's been in Soham most of her life and in or around the cannabis business for just about as long. She's now the owner and operator of Sunbolt Grown. I moved to Southern Humboldt in 1980 from Central California, and I attended community schools, Fire Creek School, Beginnings in Bryceland, Petrolia High School, and I grew up west of Garberville out on the Matole River. I started out growing with my mother. She was an activist at the time, saving redwood trees for the Cinco Wilderness and Headwaters Forest, and I would tend to her crops while she was doing activism and started growing pretty much from the early 80s. And then I personally started growing my own plant and my own small little grows during the war on drugs, the late 80s and early 90s. So tell us about the, the late 80s and early 90s. What, what do you remember from those years? Well, there was a lot of camaraderie among us outlaws at that time. And we were all individuals growing, and we didn't have indoor. We were just had a little pat, and so we would often talk and share information about, about our growing techniques and what we were doing and how to hide from the helicopters. But it was a really difficult time. We were just pushed more and more and more into the shade. I mean, growing seed plants and only getting, like, maybe two ounces of seed plant, just, it was just really, really tough. One of the things that we did in Southern Humboldt, and I mean, rappers will talk about this, and this like this comes up, and that is is that we actually started our own institutions, so to speak, from from KMUD Radio to the Mateo Community Center to the community schools, credit union, healthcare, the Reg on the River, and I think that as well as all the nonprofits, Epic started there, and I think that 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 idea of of just doing it yourself and creating that was, um, it really sets us apart that and that there were enough growers to actually be a community of growers. So it's, it's very unique in that way. And, and so has the fact that 
that uh, Prop 64 made uh, cultivation a lot more difficult and a lot more expensive for a lot of people. Has that had an effect on these organizations that you mentioned, KMUD and the Mateel and and uh, the volunteer fire departments and local schools and so forth? You know, interestingly enough, I think things were more difficult during the Green Rush. And I'm actually thinking that it might get easier with legalization for our nonprofits. How so? Well, for one thing, just taking pride in our farms and our work in what we do and this ability to really share who we are and want to share that with our community I feel that it's strong, and, and, and we will want to support these because this, this is our identity and it's where I come from. It's a total 180 what we're going through in terms of compliance and regulations and just dealing with the commercial market. I would hope that the mom and pops will stay in there, the smaller growers and the smallest of the small. What were some of the things as you transitioned your own activities from the, you know, the, the 215 era to the Prop 64 era? What were some of the things that were really challenges for you and things that you had to struggle to overcome? Well, a lot of it is, of course, it's your sales, ultimately, and taking ownership of every single step that you're going through along this. And because if, if you don't, things will kind of go wrong. And so... When I looked at at distribution and sales, I came with this with a background from uh, wine brokering. And during that time, I listened to winemakers talk about distribution and their challenges. And I realized that I was going to have a similar problem. And so there were a couple of key things I did. One was finding a distributor to work with that's just minutes away from my farm. And that way I can maintain my quality standards a bit easier. And then also maintaining quality standards in general can be a challenge because now for myself, I have a brand, I have packaging. And so maintaining my my quality standards becomes very important. And so finding a distributor that I could work with and still maintain that was important. And then also getting the, the packaging and the brand together was a big move that took time. It's like it's a whole nother business from the cultivation, really. It's like that's like the back end of the business. And then this is like the front end of the business. It's definitely been it's been a challenge, but it's just important to, you know, not not have a victim mentality and to just not complain and to just put your best foot forward and figure out what what do I need to do to survive? What do I need to do here? And not just be overcome by all the challenges. One of the big challenges facing longtime cultivators in Soham is the new and different business side of growing, compliance with regulations, and as always, having to pay the bills. We'll talk about that when our conversation with Sunshine Saraceta of Sunbolt Grown continues. Back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Humboldt Chronicles. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Soham resident and business owner Sunshine Saraceta of Sunbolt Grown. Her years in Soham give her a good perspective on how the community there is handling the challenges presented by the legalization and regulation of the commodity that has been the foundation of the Soham economy and culture for such a long time. Moving from the unregulated to the regulated market is not easy and often confusing. We are not regulated as agriculture, and that's part of the reason why we're running into a lot of environmental issues, because we're just considered like a commercial industrial crop, and so that's a problem. And then also in Southern Humboldt, we're transitioning from being growers to to business people, 
And I think sometimes at the county level and at other business levels, some of our legacy growers, they're not being treated as business people. They're still being treated as growers. I'm hearing stories about taxation mix-ups, just a lot of different things. And it's really hard for, for growers who've been doing this their whole lives. This is all they know. This is what this is all they know is growing and they're running into these issues with the county and I feel that the county needs to be more sensitive and more patient and realize that we can be business people too. On the subject of being in the business, Larry, one of the most interesting things we discussed with Sunshine is how some cultivators are straddling the old world and the new world of the cannabis business. You know, Chuck, one topic that comes up over and over again as we talk to people is the disadvantage that people who have gone through the regulatory process face versus those who are still operating in the unregulated market. Yeah, and there are even some who have tried to invent for themselves a a hybrid way of doing business now. Yeah, and we talked to Sunshine about that. Well, this question about, I'll call it self-regulated and the government-regulated market, it's a tough question to really answer because... Not only do you have people who are 100% self-regulated, but you also have a number that are somewhere in between. So, you know, to just really say, like, if you're commercial, you're just 100% commercial, and then, you know, the unregulated or the self-regulated, that's all that. Like, it's, it's really actually not that clear cut. Describe for us what you mean by uh, self-regulated uh in, in, in between the two, describe one of those operations. Well, I would, I would describe it as the hokey pokey. One foot in, one foot out, turn yourself about. You know, at some point, you got to put both feet in. Well, for the foot that's in, what, what have they done uh, to get one foot in? Well, they have a permit, and they have a license, and they have a portion of their crop is in the commercial market. But the one foot out would be described as doing what? Paying the bills. As you look at the history of, of cannabis cultivation in Southern Humboldt and the different eras, you know, the, the pre-215 era, the 215 era, the, the, the Prop 64 era, the gold rush era, is there one period of time that you think of as kind of like the golden age for cultivators in Southern Humboldt? That's an interesting question. So it's different, different different times um for cultivation itself that would probably be probably be right now with the transparency that we have and our ability to share information the way we can now as long as competition doesn't go to our heads we can really do a lot here in terms of improving our cultivation especially when you start bringing in universities and studies and peer-reviewed work, we could very much excel our cultivation right now and our knowledge of it. During the Prop 215 era and, and the Green Rush, a time from maybe like 07, I mean, in 2015, there was some pretty significant price drops, but there was a period of time during the Prop 215 era when things were just quite easy and comfortable and people became fairly complacent during that time and pretty comfortable and then when the challenges came with the regulated market that's when we started to hear a lot of complaints and some whining about it actually we'll take a peek into the future next and find out what sunshine sees for sohum in the near term and in the long run 
Humboldt Chronicles continues in just a moment. Welcome back to the Humboldt Chronicles. We're speaking with Sunshine Saraceda of Sunbolt Grown. In this segment, we wanted to get her assessment of where things stand in Soham in the transition to the legalized cannabis market and what's on the horizon for Soham. I believe that the businesses are struggling in Southern Humboldt. I can't really give like if it's a 20% drop or what it is, but yeah, I would say it's um, it's difficult. Have you seen places and, go out of business? Well, it depends because a lot of businesses in Humboldt County and Southern Humboldt included have been supplemented by other farming activities. And so without, once you stop doing those and then you're just relying on your business, yeah, it can be a tough transition. Are you sensing that since Prop 64, there are people moving into Southern Humboldt to get into the business? Or are you sensing that there are people in Southern Humboldt who think that under legalization, maybe they can't make it as well as they had been prior to that and they're leaving? I'm not sure about about people leaving. There are people coming in. We have seen during the pandemic, especially that people are finding that they can just work at home. And there's so many more services in this new cannabis industry. And there's so many more jobs and different career paths that don't have anything to do with getting licenses and permits. And so I think we are seeing some people move move up here. We often hear people expressing nostalgia for the good old days of the Prop 215 era, that things were going along so well from the late 90s through the early 2000s, and that the cannabis business and the local Soham community were better off then. We asked Sunshine about that. Yes, people were fairly comfortable, and things were fairly easy under Prop 215. And yeah, it's a lot harder now. But on the other hand, things got a little out of control, and it did turn into a call for government. We were having issues, environmental impacts on our springs and in our watersheds, and it was getting a little out of control. And so there, there you go. It, it, it kind of, something had to happen. Looking down the road, what do you see for Southern Humboldt in the near-term future and maybe also in the long term? In the near term for Southern Humboldt, we're just all surviving. And one of the things that's happening here in the near term in Southern Humboldt is that our communities are changing and the looks and feel. And there are people who are just not growers. And I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing some opposition here to growers in the near future. I'm hoping that we can get through those, those problems and solve them and answer. But there are people who probably feel fairly voiceless at this time that are seeing some changes in their communities and in their neighborhoods from commercial growing. And there may be some concerns there. In the Going into further into the future, I really feel that we're just going to be celebrating more and more about who we are and what makes us unique and how special that is. Talk to me about what you see as far as opposition to the growers. Could you explain exactly what your concerns are there? Here in Humboldt, we've all been touched so much by growing that we do we do have an understanding of it that has allowed us to have some fairly progressive ideas here. But at the same time, the landscape is changing, the physical landscape and the cultural landscape of our communities. So people, there's people that were already getting tired of growers and, and the whole thing changing even during the Green Rush. So now when you start looking at our downtowns changing, becoming really weed friendly, I mean, 
you know, there might be people who just leave here because they don't, it, they just don't identify with it. So you're saying there were people who were okay with it as long as it was in the shadows, but now that it's coming into the open, they're more concerned about it and less accepting. Is that right? Yeah, like I, I will have have experienced one extreme to the other, right? Where I was pretty much hiding all my my activities, hiding my identity as a grower, and now suddenly it's just it's everywhere, right? And so. Now I'm actually in the majority, right? <laughs> so I can see now Now there may be other people that are like, whoa, this is a little too much for us. So anyway, I've, I, but I do feel that as a county and as, as a community, we can work through this. You're still remaining optimistic about Southern Humboldt, right? I, I think that's what I hear in your voice. Yeah, I'm 100% op- optimistic for Southern Humboldt. It's pretty exciting, too, to like, just to see the youth these days, like the children whose parents have a cultivation permit and license. Those kids are so hyped up and happy. Like, it's great. It's really cool to just to see that. And no helicopters. Yeah, no helicopters. So, so, so those children can take pride in, in what their parents do and, and also in, in having a family farm. We plan to make our discussion about SOHUM and how it confronts the economic and cultural challenges of cannabis legalization a recurring theme here on The Chronicle. So periodically... When we encounter an interesting voice who can add to the discussion, we'll bring it to you. And if you have thoughts on this subject, please get in contact with us. You can reach us via email at studio at 941lounge.com. I'm Chuck Rogers with producer Larry Trask. This edition of the Humboldt Chronicles will be posted soon at 941lounge.com, lostcoastoutpost.com, and at iTunes for listening and downloading. Thanks to our guest, Sunshine Saraceta of Sunbolt Grown. And we send much appreciation to our sponsors, Proper Wellness Center and Lost Coast Exotics. We'll be back with the Humboldt Chronicles at 6 p.m. on the third Wednesday of August. So we'll see you next time, August the 18th at 6 p.m.